Hi, readers. I'm Jordan. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Not Another Heroine, the podcast where we break down the best and worst fictional heroines. We're not a one episode per book kind of podcast. We like to spend anywhere from three to four episodes breaking down the major plot points of each book. And then there's a final episode, which is supposed to be a question and answer session, but is usually just a massive gossip fest about the book. This week, we're reading The Stardust Thief by Chelsea Abdullah, otherwise known as Bag of Infinite Space, character development sold separately. All right, I'm just going to say it. My two favorite characters of this book are the two we get the least amount of time with so far. But we'll get to Aisha Aisha? Uh, Aisha. Aisha and Omar later. They're my two favorites too. That in a, uh, we'll also get to him later, but uh, Kadir. Kadir. Oh. Gives me all kinds of like Pedro Pascal dad vibes. <laughs> <laughs> we need, we need to, oh, we need to be introduced to Kadir first. So yeah, that's fair. Okay. okay I'm we'll, getting ahead of myself. Way ahead. Katie, shame <laughs> on you. Sorry. Right, we'll get to it. All right. We start on a ship of all things. Not what I was expecting from a book about desert adventures. Uh, and the Midnight Merchant, followed closely by her bodyguard, Kadir, is about to complete an illegal magical transaction with a one-eyed businessman. Um, I think his name is Rashid Al-Jasul. Uh, Rasul Al... Did I get that backwards? <laughs> Rasul Al-Jashid? Potentially. I will look it up. Um, I have the book right here as I knock down all of these... Uh, pieces of makeup anyway long story but why is there makeup on the table katie that is a long story <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to that later yes we will all right so i also forgot that they were on a ship to begin with i had to reference back a couple times when when kind of summing this book up that's fair so they're on a ship they're about to make this business transaction with the one-eyed businessman and um <laughs> That's his formal name. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> um, so despite the presence of ominous and burly looking mercenaries protecting the one-eyed businessman, the midnight merchant gets her money. The businessman gets his missing eye back courtesy of a vial of gin blood and everyone leaves happy. And shortly thereafter, Kadir uh, turns into a tiny talking lizard. Uh so multiple points. So the name is Rasul Al Jashin. Oh man, <laughs> I mutilated that. I am sorry, Miss Abdullah. Rasul. Uh, two for our listeners who have maybe not read the book. Um, Kadir is a jinn, and it is kind of alluded to that jinn are not illegal, but they're the baddies in this whole world. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, we kind of break down the, the whole world structure a little bit. Well, soon. Mm, okay. um, Again, jumping ahead of myself. Jumping jump ahead, mm -hmm. Katie. I can't I handle it. Uh, but just uh, keep in mind, dear listeners, that Kadir is a jinn. He's a jinn. But no one's supposed to know. A secret gin. He's just a, <laughs> a little, secret gin of he's sorts. A little talking lizard that can transform into a scary looking man. Yes. Um, okay. So the general heartbreak and history of this world unfolds pretty quickly in the first couple chapters. Jin walked the planet with limited powers, got greedy, demanded more power from the gods, received phenomenal cosmic powers, and then proceeded to wreak havoc on the planet. They were then banished beneath the earth while the service became uninhabitable. 
humans were faithful to the god gods i don't remember if this is a polytheistic society do you i am not sure um, and the humans struggled to survive in the harsh desert until they figured out that, oh, gin blood produces and heals life wherever it lands. Like vast forests, gardens, waterfalls, oasis, ease, plural. <laughs> yeah, that's not ominous at all. No, <laughs> that is not going to have a happy ending. The blood of these creatures makes habitable Life. land. Yeah, no. Mm, yikes. <laughs> There's a couple other tidbits. There's magical relics that are scattered across the lands. I love this. This is a cool piece. I it's enjoyed this. Giving me all kinds of um, Indiana Jones vibes mm -hmm. and uh, a little like sprinkling of the mummy. Oh, um, yes, the mummy. Yeah, where they're like, uh, um, kind of like swashbuckling, uh, don't give a fuck about anything, but they're going to like go in and steal the treasure and then sell it. But then like you also later find out that they have kind of like a heart and morals and uh, they're like not bad people. <laughs> so a bonus episode will be us reviewing The Mummy. <laughs> <gasps> Ooh, it's a good movie. It is a fantastic movie. It's one of the few that I've seen. <laughs> True. It's Brendan Fraser. Like how, how can mm. you not love it? That is fair. Okay. Uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, relics, enchanted bottles, jewelry, whatnot. Uh, this is what the Midnight Merchant sells. There's, uh, and then there's two different types of gin in this world. The Ifrit. Am I saying that right? If Ifrit. 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 That is my guess. Ifrit. Let's see if uh, the Googs will give us an answer. Can you stop using the Googs? <laughs> it's called the Googs. You're killing me. <laughs> uh, okay. Moving uh, on from the. Did you get the answer? Um, Googs is unclear. Ifrit is an impossible answer, just based on spelling. Ifrit. 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 We'll go with Ifrit. Ifrit. Okay, so the Ifrit, a.k.a. the Jinn Kings, uh, they can pretty much do whatever they want with magic. And then there's regular Jinn who are limited to particular types of magic. like One particular type of magic. One particular type. Mm -hmm. So shadows, fire, earth, death, etc. And then there's another story embedded in the recent history of this land. Tell me more. I, there's so much going on in this book, Katie. I, <laughs> there's a lot. And uh, it probably sounds a little bit overwhelming to like listeners right now. Like, oh my God. So there's like Jinn, but then there's like gin intensified like gin squared that are like more gin than regular gin leveled up gin um, but like when you're reading it it's not scary or unapproachable like it's a pretty natural kind of like integration of magic systems all of the the history is introduced slowly yeah tidbits yeah like here and there and you kind of get this big picture in your mind mm -hmm. at the appropriate time yeah I so agree. we're kind of forcing it on you very quickly yeah. just to kind of establish the groundwork of the story for um all of you to understand what we're talking about later because yeah. we're obviously not chelsea abdullah as she's writing the story no. so you get all of the aggressive parts up front <laughs> We're kind of not progressing in order either. We're you're mm. giving you the mm -hmm. history up front that's given to you over the course of the first half of this book. Yeah. So you can so we can kind of progress through the storyline a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Otherwise there's there's a lot of jumping around that happens. Yeah. You're gonna be like, the fuck are they talking about? Yeah, there's there's a lot of moving pieces in this plot to yes. keep track of. 
Yeah. So aside from all this gin world building backstory, there's this other story uh, that's more recent. Mm -hmm. So there's the Sultan. Think of the Sultan from Aladdin, like the big ruling figure. I wrote that on one of my sticky notes. You're welcome. Uh, we wrote, you know, we got like physical copies so we could, um, you know, write notes and put sticky notes and highlight and shit. And I literally wrote on one of these. Um, this feels like Aladdin. <laughs> Disney Aladdin. Yes. <laughs> I mean, did you miss my initial quote? Phenomenal cosmic powers. That's it. Oh my gosh, Katie. Um, this is not visually recorded, but I am blinking oh. unknowingly at Jordan right now. <laughs> it's a genie <laughs> quote from Aladdin. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay, <clears throat> moving on. All right. Anyways, it, yeah. back to back to this little story that was embedded in, in here. Aladdin vibes. Aladdin vibes. <laughs> the sultan of our little desert kingdom is the evil sultan from 1001 Nights. Yes. And if you're not familiar with this, with that story, this is the dude who was murdering his wives on a nightly basis until he married Scheherazade. And I think in this story, her name has changed. It's like Shafia. Uh, yeah, Shafia. Shafia. Mm -hmm. um, and then we meet him at the tail end of his story. So... Shafia slash Scheherazade has mm -hmm. been dead for years and she was murdered by some unnamed jinn. Oh no. Oh, uh, well, darn. No. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, that, that was a little blase, but well, that, that's <laughs> true. It's okay. Um, and the Sultan is on this revenge quest to track down a legendary trapped jinn king, trapped in a bottle, lamp, etc., and use their power to wipe out the entire jinn population. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're not familiar with the story of Shahrazad, like 1001 Nights, um, it's basically that the evil sultan uh, would get a new wife every night and he'd be, uh, I want to say, like, uninterested in what they had to say. And so he would murder them. Like, the you're not pretty night. enough. Okay, you're going to die tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm uninterested. Until uh, he finally marries this woman, Shahrazad, um, who I think in the original story is like a Bedouin mm -hmm. storyteller or something. Yeah, but he basically, she basically kind of not entrances him because that has negative connotations, but she's an amazing storyteller. And so for 1001 nights, she basically tells him a new story every night. And he's like, wow, you get to stay alive for one more day. It's very dark. <laughs> and, but that's where we get the story, you know, uh, several thousand years removed of Aladdin and the lamp. That's so she yes. tells all of these little mini stories that we have a lot of fairy tales derived from. Mm -hmm. And then one of the mini stories becomes the main story. Exactly. Which is the Stardust Thief. Mm -hmm. So the Sultan has three sons, the eldest Omar, who's an all around gin killing badass and the King of the 40 thieves. Also a Disney reference there. Yeah. Um, uh, don't get excited though, because he kind of has psychopath vibes. Yeah, <laughs> this is, we're not quite sure what to think of him. Neither no. Katie or I have read this book before and we don't know how it ends. Mm -hmm. So right now we think he's a psychopath, like yep. Ted Bundy style. Yeah. Um, so that's the eldest. There's Hakim, who's really the bastard son of one of the Sultan's wives and another man. So he's not really a prince. He's not the Sultan's son, but he's a prince and he lives in the palace that's really sad uh, we'll loop back to it once you introduce the final yeah and then there's mazen mazen uh mazen, mazen like is kind of how i read it yeah um sweet simple mazen he is the youngest and only son of Shahrazad. are you saying Shahrazad or Shahrazad? uh it's fine we'll yeah. move on uh, he's the only <laughs> child of the storyteller and the sultan mm-hmm 
So if you're thinking that Mazen is a coddled man-child with a mommy complex, <clears throat> absolutely right. That you are. <laughs> I'm spot on. <laughs> Strange. <laughs> Unfortunately for us, he gets to tell about half of the story. Because, you know, he's the offspring of a famous story. Um, so this book is, so again, if you haven't read it, but you're listening to the podcast because you're like, I like how Kitty and Jordan tell these stories and maybe afterwards I'll be interested in reading them. Um, this book is split into multiple points of view, um, not told in the first person. So half of the book, we get the point of view of our main character, Luli, or the Midnight Merchant. And then the other almost half is from Mazen, the prince. And then the third point of view that we get kind of like sprinkled around is uh, Aisha. We talked about her a little bit earlier, but we'll introduce her fully at the end. Um, but also the whole Hakim thing is super fucking sad because we get a little like explanation for like, okay, so this kid is a bastard, um, but he's living at the palace. Like, I've seen Game of Thrones a time or two. Like, that's kind of weird. And it's basically that, like, Mazen was like, hey, dad, like, I want a friend. And Omar's kind of an asshole. Like, can you bring this that's other? That's exactly <laughs> how it was. Like, Omar's an asshole. I need a friend. Fine. It's go get so Hakeem for me. Sad. So, like, Hakeem is, like, basically, like, shoved into this room. And it's like. You know, the Sultan knows that it's like, you're not my kid. And, you know, Hakim knows that I'm not your son. But it's like, good old Mazen just wants a friend. So Mazen gets whatever he wants. Yep. Yeah. He's the um, total youngest child complex. The, like, sweetheart of the family. Like, of course, like, you can get anything that you want. And Hakim is classic middle child. Like, he's yes. studious. He just doesn't mm -hmm. like, make a big scene. Mildly he's... ignored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Hakim, uh, super sad, basically shoved into the palace and told he can't leave. Oh. Anyways, oh. Uh, keep okay. that in okay. mind. <laughs> Back to the Midnight Merchant, aka Luli, mm -hmm. and her lizard friend. So Kadir is, you know, like we said earlier, a djinn, and he's been with Luli since she was a child. He saved her after her parents and tribe were murdered, like significant life event here that resurfaces on a repeated basis throughout Luli's narrative. Yeah, like murdered with a capital M. Yeah, like, like dudes in black come and just destroy her entire Bedouin. I think she's a Bedouin too. Yeah, yeah. Traumatizing foundational childhood yeah. event. <laughs> so Kadir has stuck around as a guardian slash older brother figure ever since. Emphasis on guardian, older brother, mm -hmm. not romantic not, interest. No romantic partner here whatsoever. <laughs> Despite the weirdly not platonic vibes at certain yeah, points. Yeah, it's kind of hard to gauge, but um, it seems to be more of a guardian figure here. Yeah, again, just imagine Pedro Pascal with the cute little baby Yoda. Mm -hmm. Together, he and Luli travel the lands tracking down relics that they sell at the underground illegal market because in this land, the only people allowed to possess magical relics is the Sultan. Because Jinn are evil. Jinn are evil. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, that's a very good Context. point. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, Luli has two magical relics herself gifted from Kadir, uh, a coin that reveals a truth or a falsehood, and a very all caps important compass. Important compass. Yep. That leads them in the right direction. I love the idea of the compass because uh, I think Mazen later in it, it kind of notes he's like, wow, you got like a fucking broken compass. Like, that's not going to be helpful. And they're like, yeah, sure, a broken compass. 
but you ask it to tell you like, hey, uh, I need to find X. Can you help me? And then all of a sudden this magic fucking compass is like, yep, it's due north, bitch. Help <laughs> save Malzahn's life several times. Several times, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so magic compass that looks broken, but is not. Exactly. After Luli and Kadir's successful business deal on the ship, you know, one-eyed businessman, dude. Mm. Uh, she drops her midnight merchant persona and returns to her rented rooms in the city of, I'm going to ruin this pronunciation, Madine. Oh, I like Madine. I thought it was Madain, but uh, that kind of sounds almost Spanish. So I don't know. Madine. Madine? Yeah. Madine. Is that what you said the first time? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Madine. So <laughs> done. And, okay. <laughs> the This is the stronghold of the Sultan. Mm-hmm. And now we get to meet Mazen. Like his perspective shows up in the story. Woo. I know. I can't <laughs> wait. It's great. Uh, so enthusiastic. <laughs> I mean, I, I can deal with multiple character perspectives in a book. But I think I'd like Mazen more if we didn't get to spend so much time in his head. Mm. He just comes across as this bumbling Pollyanna type. The author kind of pulls a reverse princess jasmine thing here like oh yeah mazen's mm -hmm. whole shtick is that his father keeps him restricted to the palace unless he travels with an entire retinue of bodyguards because like i don't know there's a human gin war going on and the sultan's beloved wife was murdered by one hmm and not at all like a reason for mm. more increased security yeah. <laughs> so like a fucking course mazen wants to escape the golden chains of princehood and walk among the common people but also um He's an idiot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, not good at anything. <laughs> All people are good. Jin don't really want to hurt anyone. It's mm. fine. All he wants to do is go listen to a famous storyteller at a random tavern in a not-so-good district. Is that That's almost not going to end well. <laughs> or, I mean, uh, yeah. That's going to end great. It's like, fine. Fuck his dad. Why would his dad be so mean? You're going to meet a handsome thief at the market who's going to offer you a loaf of bread with his pet monkey. Oh, my God. That was Aladdin. Got that one. I'm so proud of you, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Okay. Bad anyway. Idea. Anyway, yeah. he, uh, Mazen, admittedly has no training in swordplay or self-defense. Self I um immediately triggered me. And so later, uh, for again, for listeners, it's kind of revealed that he has no training in sword play because his mom is like totally hippie anti-violence. And she's like, you can't meet violence with more violence. And so like for some reason, the sultan promises her that, you know, her son won't engage in any kind of like sword training. Um, but it, she dies mm -hmm. and he's probably violently yeah based on the descriptions we've been given and like somehow this like kind of asshole sultan is okay with one of his sons being incompetent yeah. meanwhile badass uh, other son is a an assassin literally yeah. yeah covered in blood all the time mm -hmm. but it's like no it's okay like my youngest son is a precious little daisy and uh he does not need to do anything we've never experienced the youngest child dynamic ever mm. I'm an oldest child and I'm triggered. <laughs> I'm Omar and I'm a psychopath. <laughs> Not really. Let me okay. So so older brother is Omar is frequently pissing off the local gin with his gin hunting band of thieves. Yes. Like seriously, Omar's repeated description is that his face and clothing is streaked with silver gin blood. 
Yeah. And, and the poor little prince thinks it's a good idea to sneak out of his rooms one night and venture into the bowels of Medine. Again. So the older brother, I get they got the younger brother, older brother dynamic going on. Of course, the older brother is like, you know, jealous of the younger brother. But come on, my God, you do not know how to use a sword. You do not know how to even possibly throw a punch. And you're like, I'm going to go out into the bad neighborhood at night. <laughs> I just need adventures in my life. It's It'll fine. be fine. I yeah. have no way to protect myself, but things will go well for me. I'm a smooth talker. That'll get me everywhere in life. <sighs> but he's like not even a smooth he's talker. He's not. Like, that's, that's, his, mm. that's supposed to be his one like good point, his one selling quality yeah. is that he's like very suave and debonair but he never comes across that way no he's like a good storyteller which is um he says he gets from his mother which like okay cool uh how often is that a usable i've skill? only seen it once so far <laughs> like come on and like uh, yeah and we read half the book um before we recorded this episode we, so just as a side note we read to chapter 31 yes if that's where you want to stop with yep. us it's a great stop point kind of a crazy uh cliffhanger happening It'll make sense once you get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so there's Mazen hanging out the ledge of his bedroom window, ready to flee when in strolls the dangerously suave and very smug Omar. Mm-hmm. I love him. I know. I, I can't <laughs> help but love Omar in this moment. I, you know you're not supposed to, but you can't. Yeah. Like, you can't not. And uh, what does Omar say? But uh, I won't tell Daddy you escaped, but... Oh no! There's a cat. The a older catch. brother is demanding payment. That's you crazy. Betcha. Weird. Um. So you'll have to owe me a completely random, no stipulations favor sometime in the near future. I love that Matt. Like Mazin does not even blink. He's like, "You have bullied me my whole childhood, but like, sure, I'm still gonna go out." So yeah, staying <laughs> true to character. Like he spends all of two seconds weighing his options before trading literally anything in the world. Like yeah. for his devious older brother, like that he can think of, which like later you come to realize how absolutely fucking dangerous of a decision that was, and he didn't even like blink. He's like, yeah, sure, like whatever, That's Omar, you're not gonna get me. Yeah, murdered. my brother, it'll be fine. Like <laughs> it's like you do realize that Omar and yourself both recognize that the Sultan loves Mazen the more, most. Yeah, but you're not even gonna consider, you know, fratricide. And, okay, and this is all. <laughs> All for a bedtime story. All yeah. Mazen wants to do is go to the market, hear this famous storyteller, tell a story. And he's like, yeah, that's worth it. Totally. He just wants to go to the club one night. Yeah. Because, you know, he didn't get enough <laughs> stories from mom. Like, she had a thousand and one stories. Like, <laughs> that was, maybe that was a little mean. That was savage. Oh. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'll restrain myself. I'll try in the future. Uh, okay. Anyway. He agrees. Out the window, Mazen goes. He successfully finds a storyteller, chills at the tavern where, coincidentally, Luli also happens to be hanging out. Oh, weird. Yeah, I know. They exchange greetings, and then he turns around and sees the most beautiful woman in the world, and she is beckoning to him. I loved this scene because yeah. I feel like um, a lot of romance fantasy books, you immediately get introduced to whatever the love interest is, right? And they have this like immediate like, oh, this is the most beautiful person I've ever seen. But like uh, Chelsea Abdullah kind of pulls a fast one on you. Like they're talking and it's like, oh, okay, like this is, you know, potentially the love interest. Like again, we've only gotten halfway through the book, but then it's like, oh, but there's this hotter woman that he is 
now enamored with and he's leaving like one to go find her. He is sold. <laughs> it's like, whoa, she pulled a fast one yeah. on us. <laughs> like he just has to follow her because clearly this goddess of a woman could only want a 22-year-old pampered rich boy. Like uh disguised as like just a regular yeah. dude. So he doesn't What's even have name? the money. Like Yusuf is his name in disguise. Is that he, how he Yes. Yeah, Yusuf. And yeah. she's Layla. Layla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're both using, you know, pseudonyms from here. Yes. Um, so Luli, motivated by equal parts, curiosity, and suspicion, decides to follow this lovesick Swain from a safe distance. <laughs> Swain. Swain, contrary to the recommendations of Lizard Kadir, who doesn't give a fuck about Mazen and knows something is afoot with this chick. I love that Kadir. Kadir. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Excuse me. Kadir. Uh, Kadir. Kadir is just kind of like this exasperated dad figure the whole fucking book mm -hmm. or at least half the book and he's like you're just gonna do whatever you want and i'm just gonna go like fuck myself over here i guess but like i'm gonna rescue you and inevitably all of these plans go bad exactly <laughs> he is the savior of this story yeah just the like big frowning dad figure yep. uh, so mm. with this like goddess Jin, I'm kind of picturing this siren esque woman as like mm -hmm. a shot girl, like pouring oh, overpriced vodka to people who are too yeah. like drunk stunned to know how yes. much money they're spending. Like, oh. just come follow me. I'll give you some alcohol. It'll be fine. What are they called at clubs? I there's a word I couldn't think of it when I was yeah know, writing this. I keep wanting to say call girl, and I know that's that not is, right. <laughs> is this going to be another uh, glow stick episode? I know. Uh, promoter. I thought that That's was a, almost right. This is oh my god. Side this note: is, If you know, uh, if you know this, let us know. It's not a shot girl. It's not a promoter. I forgot the word again. What is the thing you break it and it lights up? A not a glow flare. stick. A flare. <laughs> this is flare part two. <laughs> um, whatever those women are called in Vegas and stuff. Not hating on them. No, like girl, get your free club entrance, not having to pay cover and getting all this money and. All you have to do is dress up. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. not respect, like, all respect for the drip. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. When we, hopefully we think of this name um, later on. But returning back to our story. Mm -hmm. So the goddess leads Mazen to an abandoned slash empty building or temple. I don't remember what. Where Luli creeps in to see that, yes, indeed, the goddess is a djinn. And she is pissed off. Like, Taco. particularly at Mazen who she accuses of being a hunter who killed her people. Oh, no. I didn't see this going oh, badly no. at all. What? No. All of a sudden, beautiful woman telling you to come into this abandoned building? <laughs> this can only end well. Yeah, of course, <laughs> right? That's what Mazen's thinking. He's too dumb to know better. <laughs> um, so shadows start to fill the building, and Mazen finally starts to realize that staying home in the nursery would have been a better idea. <laughs> He walks into this building, no skills, no like sword fighting. He's like, this is going to end well. And he's like, oh, it's it's not ending well. You're, you're pretty, <laughs> but you're mean. Oh, no. Right, like, keep in mind that in this moment, Luli has no idea that Mazen is the prince. He used like he he's going by Yusuf. Yeah, Yusuf. Yusuf. Um, and Luli can tell. Like, just based on their five-minute interaction, that Mazen is way too soft to be a djinn hunter. So, <laughs> so Luli, like, confronts this djinn goddess and tells her to back off. I love that whole interaction because she's like, 
you're kind of soft. Like, I don't think this is your guy, my lady. <laughs> you're not a gin hunter. Like, lady, find the wrong guy. Like, if the if the scary gin lady weren't so ticked off, she probably would have patted Lily on the head and told her to like run along. Mm-hmm. Like, instead, I think she does. She's like, why are you? Why are you here? Just go away. Go away, little like human a- girl. <laughs> Some like good Samaritan thing going on where she's like, you really don't have to save this man. Like, what are you doing? And Lily's like, I know, but I am a somewhat moral person and I see he's getting fucked up. Like, I need to help. Well, and and Lily, she's wearing these iron rings like iron mm -hmm. is a trigger for Jen. Like they're allergic to it or something like it'll give them hives. Um, and the yeah. iron, I think, warms up when they're in the presence of gin. That's how Lulu yeah. knew that this chick was a gin. Mm-hmm. It's basically like, uh, hey, heads up, my guy. Mm-hmm. Like, there's some gin magic afoot. Exactly. <laughs> so poor, exasperated Kadir, like, still in gecko form. Like, I, you've seen Tangled, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, okay, I just pictured that little uh, Exactly. Just yeah. exasperated okay. the whole time. <laughs> like, so... There's shadows everywhere. Smoke starts to fill the temple. And Kadir scurries up to Mazen's shoulders, tells him to get the fuck out of the building, <laughs> uh, basically leaving Luli to see to herself, which she does successfully. And in the end, like, everyone is alive and safely away from the djinn. Like, Jin leaves, Mazen leaves, Luli leaves, you know, it, no harm, no foul. Which is surprising because at the beginning... Uh, you do not assume that everyone is going to make it out no. of this alive. <laughs> it seems very ominous from the start. Yeah. You're like, Mousen's going to die. Or if he doesn't die, he's going to get someone else killed. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Mazen makes his excuses to Luli and claims he needs to return to the noble district where he works as a scribe. I roll. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Very convincing. Yeah. But he, he, he hopes to see her again to listen to another round of storytelling because Mazen can't help but notice that Luli is very pretty too. This man. I. I know. He departs. Luli follows him covertly again because her spidey senses are tingling and managed to like, she manages to get all the way to the ritzy part of town following, you know, Mazen and he doesn't know she's following him until she turns a corner and nearly runs into guess who it is? Omar. I got good vibes. I, (laughs) when this scene happened, I'm like, oh, finally, like this story is picking up. There's going to be a good character interaction. I can't wait to see where this goes. Because I immediately am like, oh, okay. So like, thank God, like Mazen's not going to be like the other main guy in the story. Like (laughs) we have Omar. Hello, Omar. You're a murderous asshole, but we like you. But (gasps) potentially redeeming qualities. Um, And then you very quickly find out like, no, he's, he's just a psychopath. (laughs) So here's, here's the sticky point. Did Omar follow Mazen the entire time? Like, was he? <gasps> oh, shit. Right? Was he just protecting his little brother? Or did he use him as bait to lure out sexy gin lady? Oh, my God. Definitely second. I have no doubt. He it, does not give a fuck yeah. about his brother. Based on what we know of Omar, option two is, like, way more likely. Yeah. In any case, like, Omar warned Lily to return to wherever she came from, and that is that. Like, um, They have kind of uh, not a heated interaction, not a sexy interaction, but it's kind of like those, like, weird tension fraught. Tension vibes. Yeah. yeah. Where you're like, oh, like, he's telling her to, like, stay away, but, like. But do you uh-oh. really want to stay away? Like, <laughs> look at me. <laughs> it's kind of like one of those weird, like, uh get out of here, little girl. It, and it she's was, like, I'm going to fucking fight you. And he's like, oh, yeah. Oh. Luli does not like Omar <laughs> right off the bat. Yes. Like he, 
Omar is always described as wearing a smirk on his face. Mm -hmm. He's very, he's like this bigger, burly dude. Mm -hmm. He's very mm -hmm. much like a warrior and he's always very smug. <laughs> Which is so, okay. So from objectively speaking, that is not a good like description of a person. You're like, okay, he's probably an asshole. But like fantasy romance has like programmed us to be like, oh, this is the love interest. But then like Chelsea Abdullah is like, no, he's he's just an asshole. Yeah. Like <laughs> this is a little, you know, check in. Like, no, these people are still bad. They're really bad. <laughs> like don't get enamored of this one. Yeah, because by all of these descriptions, I'm like, oh, <laughs> he's an asshole. <laughs> so, okay, that's what I, you put it perfectly. Like we've read so much fantasy romance that we are program like you said yep. to look for these characters who are like a little bad yep but morally gray morally gray but still big and bad and handsome but he's like big and bad and handsome but like not morally gray he's like straight he's up like straight not psychopath. <laughs> like, dude is covered not in good. blood doesn't blink twice about killing someone yeah and he's very manipulative oh he's not a great person and terrible. still i'm like oh like we can't. yeah still so a love interest either, but like no <laughs> this speaks either really well to chelsea abdullah's like writing of this character yeah. like if she's got like a long arc for him mm -hmm. through three books mm -hmm. like she's playing the long game redemption arc coming for omar <laughs> and like we know we're not supposed to root for him but we're still doing it anyway uh-huh good on her yeah that's some impressive for planning but like some of these descriptions later you know his interactions with mazin you're like oh Oh, I'm not supposed to find him sexy. No, not, <laughs> not at all. It's like, oh, he's just straight up a bad guy. That's kind of evil. Sad. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, okay. And this is where it kind of gets a little, uh, a bit of a drag. And I hate to say that about a book, uh, but yeah. we switch perspective from Luli back to Mazen. <sighs> and it, if it feels like we haven't really gotten to know our heroine yet, then you're, you know, you're tracking along with Katie and I. We feel the same thing. Yeah. All I know about Luli is that she's got some serious baggage from when her parents and tribe were murdered in the desert. Mm -hmm. Kadir is her only friend and confidant. Mm -hmm. And she's got this vague romantic interest in a dude named Ahmed. Yeah. Not Kadir. It's not like the, uh, it might be question. No daddy vibes. No going on. daddy <laughs> complex here. Just this random dude no. named Ahmed, who I think is mentioned maybe twice. Yeah. And um, it's, intriguing enough that i'm like oh okay so like maybe later we're gonna get like ahmed's pov mm. we do not no nope. um, spoiler it's just some weird kind of like vague romantic yeah. inclinations and you're like okay great because mazen is not it yeah <laughs> well, and that's how it's described from luli's perspective too mm. it's a vague romantic notion about ahmed mm -hmm. and it would be intriguing if i actually cared about luli at all uh, we don't controversial but yes that is true yeah i know like like we already know way more about mazen's motivations and character than luli but uh, don't get it twisted because like mazen is the most like uh white bread fucking character like i, I described this desert <laughs> prince as a white bread character i have no sympathy like if he got killed off in the next page that I read, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's, so if that's we were, how it goes. If we were comparing, like, Omar would be a loaf of brioche and mm. Mazen would be Wonder Bread. Yeah. Uh, or Omar is, like, a, not a cinnamon roll because that has, like, sweet connotations, but something that you, like, know is not good for you and you're like, I'm going to taste it anyway. And like then it, like, poisons spice. you. <laughs> Maybe, um, like, poison apple. 
where you're like, oh, it looks pretty good. And it's like, I know there's poison in there, but I'm going to take a bite anyway. Oh, I got poisoned. Yep. It's, it's not but a I enjoyed, good apple. I enjoyed the apple. <laughs> it the just looks time. good from the outside. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's pretty spot on. Yeah. But Mazin's white bread. Yeah. So I could not describe him as a person if I tried. Mm. Yeah. Mm. See, it's hard. <laughs> oh, Mazin. Well, Mazin. Okay. Mazin goes out wandering the palace grounds. This is after he returns from crazy gin goddess. He's just out on a walk and he runs into Omar talking to yet another beautiful but scary woman named Katie. Aisha. Aisha. She has more personality in one motherfucking like pinky finger than all of these Mazen other characters. Does like even Luli. 80 to 120 pages that I read. <laughs> yeah. Like this is the most interesting character perspective so far in the book. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, because she does get her own POV where mm -hmm. you where you hear from her perspective or whatever. Yeah, yeah. She is a member of Omar's band of Forty Thieves, and she joined after Omar caught her several years ago trying to pickpocket him. Love it. Yeah, that's a cute backstory. I mean, it's a sad backstory, but yeah. it's the, it's a badass. Yeah, like, the setup between her and Omar is like. Okay, oh, yeah, uh, this is fine. This is where the romance comes in, huh? Yeah, it, it, <laughs> but in a not healthy way. Yeah, <laughs> she comes. So Aisha comes across as a bit of like a snarky porcupine mm, kind of a character, mm -hmm. but she's still very loyal to Omar because he kind of like he saved her from being prosecuted as a pickpocket, made her like the chief mm -hmm. thief in his little band. Mm -hmm. Um, and despite outright disliking Omar, she's you know. She's in it for the long game. She's a member of his band and she'll do whatever he asks. I love that dynamic mm, where she's like, it? I don't like you. Mm -hmm. I objectively realize you're not a great person, but I'm going to be loyal to you because I have, you know, morals and standards. And then there's some kind of like weird sexual tension where she's like, I'm not attracted to you. And he's like, I'm kind of attracted to you. And she's like, what? The oh, oh. <laughs> Let me reconsider this. <laughs> oh, interesting. And Aisha, she's described as a tall woman with very sharp angled features. Like basically attractive but intimidating. Scary. Mm -hmm. Scary hot vibes. Scary hot. Mm -hmm. um, Omar asked her to deliver a message to the palace guard captain. I think it's the captain. It's just a leader uh, figure. Cade. The Cade. Q-A-I-D. Yeah. Okay. Cade. The Cade. And... Aisha is supposed to assure the captain that members of the Band of 40 Thieves will be attached to the guard forces to provide more robust protection for the city in the wake of a lot of recent gin attacks. That's not suspicious at all. Mm, guard captain is obviously thrilled with this news, and Aisha is equally happy with serving as Omar's carrier pigeon. Um, That is sarcasm, if you did not pick up on that. I will. <laughs> let me hit the button and enhance my sarcasm to... <laughs> Um, so immediately when I read this, I, uh, was kind of cued in to some like potential, um, patricide Omar setting himself up to be Sultan. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's where Chelsea Abdul is going to, uh, go with it, but a hundred percent the vibes that are there like being put down. shady going yeah. down. It's like, oh, that's strange that you need to install these people that are, only loyal to you and to the palace guard that protects your father, who you obviously do not like because mm -hmm. he seems to prefer your younger brother who is a, a total fop and doesn't do anything. That's not suspicious at That's all. Not gonna... <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. But you know what? This is super interesting. So guess what? Let's switch perspectives again and go back to Lily. Yeah. Oh, uh, and 
I prefer Lily's to Mazin's, but, but still, still, like, I would rather stay in Aisha's perspective. Yeah, let's just get the whole book from her fucking mm-hmm. perspective. Okay, anyway. Um, uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, so uh, Lily and Kadir set out to set up their stall at the legal illegal midnight market. This is like their normal business. Mm-hmm. This is what they do on a regular basis without any of this underlying actions going on. How they make their money. Yep. Together, they wind through some tunnels, and I'm picturing, like, the underground tunnels in Paris. That's how I describe uh, Yeah. Like, okay, Huntrack and Notre Dame mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. the, okay, Gypsy yep. Caravan, set up market. Okay. Yeah. They finally arrive at this thriving, I, I wrote bizarre. It's supposed to be bizarre. <laughs> bizarre. Bizarre. Uh, where they are immediately recognized and hailed. Like, and she's in her guise as the Midnight Merchant, which mm. is like in this persona, she always has half her face veiled and she's robed in this midnight blue cloth with a dusting of like white sprinkles or sparkles or whatever. Mysterious vibes. Mm-hmm. She's got um, like eyeliner and everything. It's yeah. A, it's a vibe. And it's funny too, because she picks like some random spot and uh, to set up her shop. And then there's two guys who already have their shop set up on either side of her. And they're both like, oh my God, it's the Midnight Merchant. Mm-hmm. That and- is spot on. That is exactly how that goes down. <laughs> and then like even the younger one is kind of like, wow, like you're a little bit younger than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And she's like, um, just wait and see. And then all of a sudden all these like crazy people come up and they're like, oh my God, it's the Midnight Merchant. I want to buy all of her goods. And he's like, holy shit. Like I think he has – um, some sort of like pipe in his mouth, and I kind of imagined it's falling some, out. Yeah, like some kind of like stoner with his like vape pen in his mouth, and he's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. She's, <laughs> anyway, sorry. She's sidebar. Sorry. <laughs> well, okay, but that is a great segue into like she's doing business as normal, like sells a bunch of shit, mm-hmm. and then like absolute chaos ensues, and they realize that the palace guard has discovered the entrance to the tunnels, and are frantically searching for her. Okay, because remember that selling anything gin magic related is illegal yeah this whole market is illegal but you know midnight merchant in particular is very illegal yes and and then remember you know the sultan has this revenge quest that we talked about in the beginning mm. to find the trapped jinn king and banish all jinn from the land well he put two and two together and thought huh the midnight merchant is the only person in my country who can find all of these magical relics and she's doing it great why not <laughs> make her go get the lamp and i i think it's a lamp like i defaulted to lamp it's a lamp yeah, yeah it's like a weird um i want to say ghetto oil lamp and that's not just like an old school because <laughs> it's described he like um in the story like backstory of how this you know gin king was trapped into the lamp which i think we get later yeah it's, it's a little bit later yeah um it's just some like random ass old lamp and he's like hey jen like i'm gonna stick you in here and he <laughs> so it's stuck in there yeah it's not pretty it's not perfect he's like this is what i had on hand <laughs> <laughs> okay so, magi- so yes lamp magical lamp just like aladdin sultan wants it and he needs the midnight merchant to go get it for him hmm yep. is that how our two storylines intersect oh, again <laughs> i have no idea let's Weird. continue the palace guard starts threatening all of these poor black market traders and customers in the market until Lily bravely steps forward, realizing, of course, that all of the commotion is over her and gives herself up. Uh, but not before she tells Kadir to get the heck out of there and find her later. So for some strange reason, she thinks that Kadir is probably better off not accompanying her to meet the rabid gin hater Sultan and his bloodstreaked eldest son. What? Uh, no. Um, I also feel like it's worth mentioning my impression of Luli is uh also someone that's like 
good against their will. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> actually, <laughs> you know, those kind of people who are like, yeah, fuck other people. Like I'm just looking out for number one. And then immediately upon, you know, entering into a situation where they need to put other people first, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to put other people she's first. She's a huh? reluctant good, good <laughs> yeah, person. But she's so mad about it. And it's like, dude, like you recognize that every time you're met with that decision, you put other people first. Like you think you're bad, but you are not. No. <laughs> and it's that whole um, looks like a cinnamon roll is a cinnamon roll. It's like a quad chart. <laughs> and it's like, uh, looks like a cinnamon roll is a cinnamon are roll. Are you all hungry? We've gone from Wonder Bread. <laughs> <laughs> um, is a cinnamon roll. Uh, but we'll kill you. And then it's like, we'll kill you. Looks like we'll kill you and we'll kill you. Um, will looks like we'll kill you, but is actually, I can't roll. follow this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, she is, looks like we'll kill you, but is a cinnamon roll at heart. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. fair. That's she's like, I'm mad and bad, but it's like, yeah, I'm gonna save you. I'm sorry. I I just have to morals and <laughs> you know, she, she does the right thing. Yeah. Especially for Kadir. Yes. Like, that's a recurring thing. She mm -hmm. always looks out for Kadir. Mm -hmm. Which is adorable. Yeah. Because it's the inverse of the daddy protective vibes. Mm -hmm. But he's also always exasperated that he's like, why do you keep throwing yourself into trouble in like, trying I have to, to protect every me? every single time. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's trying to protect him, but he it never inevitably has, has to come in and help mm. her. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's a good summary of their interaction. Yeah. Um, so... Luli is on the way to the palace with her guard escort. She's like, I think, handcuffed or the, you know, desert equivalent of being handcuffed. Mm -hmm. um, and meanwhile, Mazen, Omar, and Hakim are all having a grand party with dad, like courtiers and tau, tau, tau. Uh, <laughs> tau. <laughs> <I> tau. <laughs> uh, but yes. <laughs> yes. So while they wait for Luli's arrival, except Mazen starts to feel a little off and he notices something weird going on with the shadows in the room. Like, sneaky little Omar is watching very carefully, and he seems almost prepared for something to happen. Mm -hmm. You're a coward, he says to Mazen. Not that I disagree with him. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> along with several other snipey comments about Mazen's general incompetence and wishy-washiness. Mazen oddly notes that Omar's shadow is much nicer than its owner, and Mazen's own shadow seems to have acquired eyeballs that is not good no <laughs> that is uh if your shadow acquires eyeballs you might want to run yeah red flag number one my yeah. guy i um so we'll kind of get into it in a second but i love how this interaction is written mm -hmm. because um you're from mazen's uh perspective and so you kind of feel as if reality is shifted and you're like i frankly cannot tell you what is reality and what isn't because like Mazen isn't sure either. And so it's all of these like very scary um, interpretations and kind of like vibes that Omar is giving off where it's like, is he trying to help me or kill me? It's the most interesting perspective from Mazen that we get so far. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that it's only when it's in like a dynamic with Omar. Yeah, that all of a sudden he becomes interesting because it's like you recognize you're in danger, huh? <laughs> well, okay, and that's because guess who's back? It's Jin Goddess, and her special skill is shadow magic. Akko. Yeah, she full on goes exorcist on Mazen and takes over his <laughs> body and brain, and she's out for revenge against Omar, who apparently 
viciously murdered her beloved Jin husband. Yeah, that was fucked up. Yeah. It was like you can't not hard to read, but like kind of hard to read. You're like, oh shit, like kill him. Stop reading for Omar <laughs> at this point. And yeah. also, like, okay, Mazlan's interesting only when he's possessed by a Jin uh -oh. woman. Hot take. Um, that is unfortunately very accurate. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh. So he's interesting when he's not himself. Yep. <clears throat> Don't take that as a broader societal um, observation. You are good as you are. Be yourself. Um, but always. this specific one person is not good as he is. Nope. <laughs> Poor Mazen. Anyways. Uh, fighting ensues. Shadows take over the festivities. And I'm like, shadows like zombie figures taking over mm -hmm. and threatening people. Imagine some like kind of crazy. Um, what is that one movie? Inception? Yeah, um, where reality is like fucking sideways and you can't tell what's true. That's what's happening at this party right now. Mm -hmm. Everyone becomes trapped in the hall. The palace guard can't or won't go in to intervene. Uh, but thank goodness we have Luli, who recently arrived outside the doors with her guard and whose only credibility for battling Jen is that she happens to be friends with one. So they can't all be bad. She demands to be released from her, from her restraints so she can go save the people who have just arrested her and dragged her to the palace. I, when you say it like that, all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, this interaction was a bit odd, wasn't mm, it? Very. She had no credentials of any sort to prove her, but they're like, yeah, sure. Like go in there and. Even she admits, she's like, she's not a fighter. She's not a warrior. She's just a business gal. Yeah. But all of a sudden she has like moral courage, like more so than out of nowhere. Who that is their whole job to save the sultan and why is she motivated like she doesn't know who mazen is yeah like she she's kind of like vaguely interested in a like why is he lying mm -hmm. but like I, she should not be interested enough in a i'm going to risk my life to save your life kind of no, way like, like it's it's just it's weird no um yeah yeah she kind of succeeds though with a lot of help from kadir emphasis on a lot of help so much help so Kadir had previously given her an enchanted flaming blade and he proceeds to whisper mental commands in her head to guide her through this battle with the Jin goddess. Um, she doesn't make much progress because I don't know, she's fighting pure shadows. <laughs> what? Uh, that, yep. I know. Didn't think that would, you know, go great, but don't worry. The murderous Omar is there to save the day. And he also has a special blade that successfully turns the Jin goddess into a more substantial form. At which point he kills her. Uh, by killing his brother. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you forgot that Omar stabbed his I, brother. <laughs> I forgot that Omar stabbed Mazen. Yeah. Because if you think about it, um, so Omar is met with this kind of like moral quandary of um, I need to kill this djinn because he is trying to kill my brother and he's probably going to kill me and the sultan. Um, but in order to kill this djinn, I must sacrifice my youngest brother. He does not even blink. He's like, anyway, so I'm going to like stab you and you're going to have to be cool with it. But uh, okay, is it really that much of a sac sacrifice? Because he knows djinn blood heals all things. So that's funny though, because do you have it in your notes? I don't. Um, he is... So, okay, so yeah, so Jin blood heals all wounds. And so obviously, you know, Omar is going to stab Mazin, who is being possessed by this Jin, and they now have a dead Jin body on hand to use said blood to revive Mazin. However, um, the Sultan is like, hey, Omar, like, what the fuck are you doing? You're kind of like dragging your feet, like, 
go get the gin blood to save my son. And Omar's like, oh. Do I have to? Yeah. And it even says he like drags his feet over. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, I'll go do that. So maybe this is a little bit of foreshadowing for later on in the Interesting. Trilogy or the book. Yeah, because Omar is like 100% prepared to kill Mazen. I mean, I would kill Mazen <laughs> I, at this point. Like, yeah. He's... It, I wouldn't say I'm going to, like, kill him, but, like, if he died, I would not be sad. <laughs> you know, the very, like, That's indifferent. <laughs> yeah, what it's like uh, hate isn't the opposite of love. It's indifference or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am indifferent to you, Mazen. Oh, poor Mazen. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. That, thank you for um, adding that bit in there because I completely forgot that Mazen. Uh, but that's how inconsequential inconsequential <laughs> it is. Inconsequential is a important word for oh, Mazen. Oh, fuck. Ooh. Okay, um, for our listeners, uh, that's what this like shadow gin sexy lady is telling Mazen the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like you're inconsequent, which he is inconsequential. He but is, anyways. but the gin goddess like stamps that home. Yeah, and now I feel bad because I called him inconsequential too, and it's like, well, if you're thinking that, then like maybe you are. He he is. <laughs> like, there's no doubt about it. Inconsequential. Yeah. But again, not a broader societal observation. Um, you matter, listeners. And I love all of you. I respectfully disagree. What? <laughs> <laughs> God damn. I am the, you know, supportive daddy energy of this podcast. Jordan is the angry mom. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't even disagree with you. Okay. Okay. Back back to anyway. Story. Uh yeah. okay. <laughs> I feel Mazen. like there was a epiphany that happened in my brain just now. A little bit. Oh, but that's no. okay. Um, I am not going to be formative in your, you know, developmental years, listeners, but Jordan is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to like pop in and do the easy stuff and she's going to do the actual, um, you know, literary uh, digesting. I can't wait to see you keep going with this one. And I am going to fuck up words that I don't know how to say. Um, you're going to leave all the positive Goodreads reviews. That is safer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, um, anyway, Mazen died, came back to life. Came back to life. Thanks to the gin blood. And okay. I get the point of this gin against human thing. It's supposed yeah. to be this morally gray area. We're not. And, s- yeah. Mazen's like fucked up about it. Yeah. He, he thinks that the gin are good or that there is some good in the gin. It's mm-hmm. not like a black and white issue. Yeah. And we're not supposed to want to root for one side or the other. At least that's the impression I got from the author. Yeah. Like having been given substantial evidence that both sides have fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, but this very, Thing. like this this is an interesting point in the book but it's what makes it so difficult to connect to the story like i can't attach to either cause and as a result i don't really care about the characters on either side yeah um because i think it's supposed to be that because you're getting like luli's perspective and she obviously has like a career to like hang out with her the whole time and be protective of her that you're supposed to be like oh Jin aren't all that bad but there's so little character development that happens that it's like okay like Kadir is a Jin and like I kind of get he has Pedro Pascal vibes but he needs to like prove that he's Pedro Pascal before I root for him yeah (laughs) Yeah. exactly yeah he's just proven himself to be a Pedro Pascal lookalike and that's that's not enough <laughs> no not for this book at least not to care like w- to be completely honest we had to slog through this yeah. first part just a little bit or a lot yeah. of it it was a slog um Aisha's 
POVs were fun. Yeah, and that's the thing. The writing is great. The plot is it's easy to read too. Yeah. But it's not engaging. No. And I think it's directly because the characters, we don't yes. learn enough about them. Yeah. Because the the world is fun. Mm -hmm. It feels like Indiana Jones and you feel like you're on the cusp of like some crazy discovery and you have to like run away from a tumbling boulder that's about to crush you. But it's like the people that are with you, you're like, yeah, it's, it's not care. a traditional fantasy setting by any means. I could see that. Well, uh, how do you mean? Like we, for a lot of the traditional fantasy, like especially YA new way books mm -hmm. with the romance underpinnings, uh, it's like a Western European, sometimes Eastern European I like setting. That. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that because it does have, um, if you just replace all of these with a Western perspective, like it has the underpinnings. Um, but again, like the character development is not there. And it's it's fun. Like I was hoping the whole time that all of a sudden we would get these, you know, character. And I, I get this as like a slight tangent halfway through um, the podcast. Uh, but I kept rooting for the character to somehow have this like epiphany and have some sort of character development. And it could be that we're only halfway through the book uh, as we're recording this, but from page one to chapter 31, I, they are the same. Exactly. There's, have, there's no growth. There's no, I, hmm. and so it's fun. Cause I definitely feel like we do not have enough representation in, uh, romantic fantasy or fantasy romance um, that aren't white Western authors or even like fantasy worlds that are written in kind of like that Western, you know, context. But like we need some character development, Chelsea. And just a little, just to keep us going. Just a little, just especially, just a especially little bit. <laughs> since there's going to be three books. Yeah. I, I, and it's it's also not um, like one of those things that you can extend out the whole three books. Mm -mm. Like you got to give me a little bit of something to keep me going. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The battle ends. Remember, yeah. Mazen dies, battle ends. An entire forest garden thing pops up in the middle of the dining hall, courtesy of the dead Jin's body. And Luli is shuffled off to get cleaned up somewhere in the palace while everyone has time to recover. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. During or immediately after this battle, um, she, in fact, recognized that Mazen was the same boy from the market, Yusuf, and he in turn recognized her as the girl who saved him uh, the first time. Correct. Yeah. When everyone reconvenes, it's to share another meal. The Sultan explains his quest to Luli and generously offers to pay her, but he is very clear that she doesn't have an option to say no. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. After all, like, she's been trading in illegal relics for years, and he could just as easily throw her in prison. Yeah. The Sultan also notes that Omar will accompany Luli on her journey. I, this was the opportunity, Chelsea. I <laughs> wanted this to happen. This was your shot, and uh, as we will soon discover it got fucked up it a dies. little bit. <laughs> uh, this is for Lily's protection. Omar is supposed to go with her. Because this Which, is hot. I'll say it. Frankly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is the opportunity for the psychopath to prove that he has some kind of like internal moral compass. You know, sacrifices himself to save her. Realizes like, oh. Kadir is a jinn and he's not a bad guy. And okay, yeah. therefore all jinn aren't, aren't bad. Like there are so many opportunities. Boom. Mm. And I maybe she didn't want it to be like a, you know, stereotype 
uh, you know, stereotypical fantasy romance, but like this was your shot <laughs> and it's wasted. Yeah. Uh, during this meal, though, we get another opportunity to see Mazen really shine. He, we do. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that was unnecessarily savage. That was sarcasm. <laughs> yes, it was. He tells the story of Amir and the lamp. Which, oh, okay. So this is a little bit of like yeah. a redemption. This is a like a fun diversion from the plot, and it gives us an opportunity to see the backstory of the all-powerful Jin King. Like, this was fun. And a lot of the mm -hmm. reviews that I read about this book um, said great things about these little mini-stories that are mm -hmm. tucked in. Mm -hmm. And I thought the same thing. It was fun. Uh, and for the listeners, she, like, legit pulls you out of the story. Like, the following pages where he's, like, telling the story or whatever is written in story format as if you were reading a short story and there's like even this like fun kind of like scroll background mm -hmm. so you're like oh i'm like reading this on a parchment and it's like there's no mazen telling the story it's legit from that storyteller's perspective exactly yeah sorry to nope. uh totally nope, no, <laughs> divert no, I, I actually really <laughs> like that piece so um i would still rather read this on kindle just because the investment in the hardcover wasn't really worth it for me yeah at least fair. at the halfway point like mm -hmm. i may be proven wrong later on i hope mm -hmm. luli anyway agrees to this quest thinking like if anyone gets their hands on this lamp it should probably be someone who doesn't want to commit gen genocide mm. and preparations begin around the palace for them to set off on this long journey and that involves like going to these vast shifting sands of the desert to travel to the long lost gen city. Very dangerous. They might lose their lives, uh, but who cares? They're after the lamp. It's fine. Oh, no. Yeah. And Omar, well, Omar, he's got his own plans going on. After they have this little powwow party dinner thing and everyone's like, okay, guess we're going on a quest. He shows up in Mazen's room one evening wearing a suspiciously gaudy bracelet and interesting. carrying another matching bracelet. Double interesting. It's not a bracelet. It's a cuff, right? Like that's uh, Yeah. Uh, a bangle. Bangle. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very out of character for Omar, whose only ornamentation is the earring he wears from his mother. Again, the softball Chelsea Abdullah. You see it and you're like, I'm not going to swing at that. But it is a softball. Mm -hmm. Like you have this character that loves his mom and his like only ornamentation on his whole entire body is like this earring that he got from his mom. You are lining him up to be a softy and you're like, no, he's a psychopath. Like yep. don't like him. It's like I'm liking him against my better uh reasoning and and katie just had a meltdown i did <laughs> that was i will admit that was a full meltdown but anyway the Bengals, the Bengals, the Bengals, not the football team uh, <laughs> that's they're a football the team right they're a football okay. team <laughs> yes they are Bengals as embraces i don't know what where though i could not i <clears throat> i'm i i could name two that tells you how good teams. they are <laughs> in no, I'm not convinced that the Bengals are a football they're team. A, they're a football team. Okay, I'm going to continue on. You look up the Bengals. Okay, um, we'll come back. We could, we could. Again, people in their cars are probably like, are you motherfucking? I not don't. The, bang the Bengals. The Bengals. <laughs> the Bengals? <laughs> not Bengals, Bengals. <laughs> Bengals, with a B. But <laughs> Oh, the Cincinnati Bengals. That's why it's Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry if you're from Ohio listening to this. But I, if you're from Ohio listening to this, you're like, I'm from Ohio. Yeah, I'm listening, I'm listening to, this. to this podcast because the Bengals suck. The Bengals. <laughs> oh, Bengals. Uh, anyway, uh, they're anyway. bracelets. They're bracelets. And he tosses one to Mazen and challenges him to put it on. 
Weird. Why? Mm. Poof. Poof, I say. <laughs> Poof. It's a relic. And once it's been given the blood of a person, the wearer will assume that person's identity. Hmm. Mazen turns into a much more muscly Omar with a deeper voice to match. Hmm. What? Uh, yeah, there's a body switch happening here. Parent trap. Okay. Body no, switch. No, not parent trap. What's that? Freaky Friday. Yeah, Freaky Friday. Mm-hmm. Why would I think of parent trap? Um, it's, it's the same uh, era. Yeah. And what's her name? Uh, Lindsay Lohan. She was in both. Yeah. Yeah. That is the <gasps> We're comparing thread. Mazen to Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> no, I would not insult Lindsay Lohan like that. Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Uh, anyway. If you haven't guessed, it is time for Omar to collect on the favor Mazen promised him. Ooh. Oh, yes. Omar has absolutely no intent of going on the lamp quest with Lily. He literally said, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no plans whatsoever. He's been coordinating what sounds suspiciously like a military takeover of the palace guard, and he cannot leave the palace now. You don't say. <laughs> he he promised, promises to send his most loyal and effective thief with Mazen, who will be clued in on to the identity switch, because body double aside, there's no way in hell Mazen can pull off like a badass Omar impersonation without help. Mm. Like the dude has never picked up a sword. Uh, yeah and i think we're gonna get to it later right who the thief is yeah anyway thief body snatchers or no wrong movie body snatchers freaky friday yes okay mazen <laughs> doesn't really have a choice but to agree um but his sheer reluctance to go on the quest is like very frustrating for me like mm, omar why well, okay, Omar rightfully points out that Mazen has done nothing but bemoan his trapped life in the palace, and, like, this is his opportunity to see the world. But it's scary. That's <laughs> true, because we get nothing but nonstop fucking bitching from Mazen's perspective <laughs> that he's like, I just want to be outside of the castle. But then, again, this softball is lobbed to him. It's like, here's your opportunity. Like, Omar doesn't want to leave. But he has to leave, so just take his body and go. And he's like, I don't want to go into the desert. You idiot, this is your opportunity, and you are acting like an ass. Later that evening, we return to thank the Lord, Aisha. Oh, God. Yeah. So Aisha is hanging out in her own room. She's painting henna on her arms to cover up some scars. Super this. cool note. I really I, enjoyed that. Like yeah. I, uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but Aisha's a neat character. She, yeah, because the henna, she has this whole like moment where she thinks about her like dead parents and her dead family. And uh, we get this kind of like insight that the henna is all like flowers and pretty. But then later it's like, oh, no, they look like thorns. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's her personality. Like she, you know, is doing henna to cover up scars on her arms and they're beautiful flowers, but they're thorny flowers. Yeah. With like their fuck you flowers. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Our fuck you flower, Aisha. Yep. <laughs> she is reflecting on her relationship with Omar, mm. which seems to have some like possibly romantic underpinnings. Mm. <laughs> when suddenly a visitor is announced and. Um, a fucking course. It's Mazen, dressed in oddly baggy clothes. He just bursts into her chamber. Erg. Yeah. What the fuck? Like that's that's her reaction. Yep. She grabs a sword, scrambles up, and is like quickly trying to shuffle through some explanations as to why this bumbling prince could possibly like be in her room. Mm-hmm. Like she's both embarrassed that the prince is in her like area. Mm-hmm. Um, because she doesn't have anything. In her she room. doesn't have anything. She's got like very she ain't got few, shit. Very few personal things, and like. 
But then she notices this very uncharacteristic smirk on Mazen's face. mm, Girl, I'm like dancing in my seat. I love the fact that she immediately identified like within seconds. She's like, you are Omar in Mazen's body, which is like a very outlandish thing to like immediately like jump to. But she's like. I know that smile. How well do you have to it's know like, someone to recognize their smile? Yeah. It's like, girl, you got it bad. <laughs> so with a dramatic flourish, Mazen unclaps the bangle from his wrist and poof, it's Omar. He <laughs> explains the plan quickly and really leaving no room for argument. He tells Aisha she's going with Mazen on this quest. Yes. And I wondered here if part of the motivation for sending Aisha on the quest was to remove her from the danger of the military takeover. Money. That was what I was holding my (laughs) finger up to ask. Because I was like, that's kind of weird that Omar is, you know, sending off his like best second most precious possession. Like the first is the earring from his mom and his second is his, his girl Aisha. Like that's weird. Yeah. But yeah, totally makes sense to keep her protected from obviously this bloody uh, battle that is about to ensue where he kills his dad. Yeah. Like he brushes over the explanation, just emphasizing that she hates the palace guard anyway, probably due to her past as a pickpocket. Weird. Yeah. And she'd just be happier doing this. And Maza needs her help. So all of the pieces are aligned for the quest to begin. Interesting. Yeah. Cause that is money. I was wondering, I'm like, why would you send off your like most Doesn't trusted person? Sense. And I was like, oh, if we have romantic underpinnings, underpinnings, underpinnings. <laughs> like I missed <laughs> like eight vowels in there, uh, underpinnings. It's probably because he wants to protect you. There is his redemption arc. I hope it's it coming. is there again, a softball. Make him. Be not a bad guy. We want to like Omar. Please. Please. We hate Mazen. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm exhausted. And I think this is a good place to wrap up. This is I chapter, so. right? Chapter 17, right? Yeah. So this first portion is going to be chapters 1 to 17. And then um, the next episode is probably going to be like chapter 18-ish to chapter 30, probably. Um, if you're reading along with us. So from our shelf to yours, we'll see you on the next page. Hi, readers. If you'd like to help us pick our next book, send us a message on Instagram. Or if you'd like to just listen, we post new episodes every Monday on Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Music. Thanks for listening.